Hello everyone and welcome to CEO Journals. I am your host Ethan Bridge and on today's episode I had the pleasure of talking to Kristen Swarczyk who is a leadership expert, consultant and coach. Kristen pioneers a model of change required for the agile and resilient leader of today and with 20 years experience spearheading change initiatives and working with leaders at all levels she has gained the wisdom of knowing what it takes to consistently produce extraordinary results. Kristen's why is helping people to develop resilience while fueling from within by connecting to something larger than themselves. She predominantly collaborates with the C-suite to transform cultures through purposeful inclusion and helps to cultivate leaders who see themselves as inspiring, effective leaders of change. By empowering the workforce to make decisions with confidence and promoting autonomy, harnessing technology and creating best practices to build productivity and engagement, she helps organisations make quick wins to build momentum. In a spirit of collaboration and transformation, Kristen assists to ignite a workforce of forward-thinking executives who align their why and deliver results consistently to exceed even their own expectations. I can't express enough how much value is packed into this discussion. So without further ado, let's dive straight into the episode. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to CEO Journals. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of talking to Kristen Swarczyk. Kristen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am superb. I had a long day, but now I'm doing my podcast interviews, so that's what I love doing. So for the listeners that don't know, just give mm-hmm. us a quick 60-second introduction of who you are and what you do. Sure. I am an executive coach. I work mostly with the C-suite, so I'm very familiar from the standpoint of being a change management consultant and also someone that just comes along, whether it's a merger or acquisition or a client request to help them navigate change. And that's really where I thrive is to um, work with an organization and help them to transform their culture so that people truly feel ignited on the journey. Amazing and sounds super interesting. So I can't wait to dive into that later on in the episode. But I like to start all my episodes by throwing it back with my guests and ask them about their experience with school. So let's focus on a 15 year old Kristen. How did you find school? Were you a straight A student or did you not particularly like it? Did you struggle or how was it? I enjoyed school. I was a straight A student. I was a perfectionist. And so for me, getting anything less than an A was just not acceptable. So, you know, while it was great getting good grades and it helped me, it was very, um, looking back, I can really feel the stress that I put on myself, the self-imposed stress. So it's interesting, uh, you know, to, to examine where that came from and that drive that certainly was with me from the very beginning. So looking back at that, would you have done your education differently? Would you have gone back and put less stress on yourself because you would have been able to tell yourself, it's all going to be okay, don't worry about it? Yes, you know, it's it's such a great question, Ethan. It's, you know, I I learned a lot when I went through my master's degree and I really got to apply the knowledge. I was one of those 
people that has, I do have a photographic memory. So I was able to memorize and get a really good grade on the test. Now that I'm an adult, I can see that I didn't really retain a lot of that knowledge that, um, you know, you, you ace the test and then there's, you know, only so much you retain. So yes and no. I mean, I definitely was able to get into the college. I was able to, you know, all of those things that you hear about was, was good. But yeah, as far as the stress, I would have learned to have more belief in my own abilities rather than that external pressure to just soak in all that knowledge. And um, so a little bit more of a balance, I would say, between letting go and trying so hard. <laughs> No, and obviously, I'm recently because I'm 20, so I've mm -hmm. come out of school. Didn't go. I didn't go to university, so I went straight into work. Okay. And I like what you say about the whole fact that you learned it all at the time, and you you knew it at the time. You passed the test, but you didn't retain it. There was no real application of the knowledge, so it's not something that you remember. So in England, we do A levels, which are okay. to upper school and I did maths A levels mm -hmm. and I cannot remember a thing. If you gave mm -hmm. me a question from school now, I right. have no idea what to do with it. I would just be it may as well be a blank piece of paper for all I care. Yes. <laughs> yes, I completely understand. So yeah, I mean looking back, I think if if institutions were to change how they teach people, it's you know, how can you really make it hands-on or applicable to real life? That's where I got the most out of my schooling. Cool. So you mentioned you went to university. That's mm -hmm. with a lot of my guests I've done. They're entrepreneurs that have dropped out of university. So I assume that you finished university. I did, yes. Did you then go and get a job? I did. I got a job and I had my run with corporate America prior to going back to school. So that point, so what did you do, if you don't mind me asking? Mm -hmm. What did you do for work, if you don't mind me asking? No, it's great. I actually went into uh, financial, um, it was financial services, I guess you could say. I was licensed to sell mutual funds, which had nothing to do with what I went to school. Or it was just there was a really good company locally that was willing to pay for all my training and it was a great way to get into that company so that was my first job out, outside of university so then what ignited what you do now what where, yes. at what point did you realize this is what I was meant to do Yes. Yeah, so I, after going through all that training and getting on the phones and realizing this is not what I want to do, I did switch to a different position at that time. And it was a position that allowed me to start mentoring. And I actually created a mentoring program for the company. So when I did that, I ignited in myself what I felt was my own purpose of helping people to be connected with others who can help them learn and and really um, just all of the consulting that I love to do now was ignited at that early stage in my career. So that's what propelled me to go back and get more education around it and then to eventually become a consultant in the industry. So did you then leave your job and begin working for yourself? 
I, yeah, I worked with that company for five years and then I decided to leave and uh, I've been doing, you know, work, um, all sorts of consulting and executive coaching for about 15 years now. Wow. 15 years. So was it scary when you first left your nine to five? Absolutely. It was, it was, it was scary. I now see fear as excitement in disguise. So at that time I had enough exposure to it in the corporate arena that it was perfect because I, I hadn't, I felt somewhat equipped. And then, um, you know, it was certainly, you don't know if you're going to get a client, you know, there was a lot of risk. I was at a place in my life where I could afford some of that risk and I had a little bit of time to play with it. And at the same time, I think when you put yourself in that situation, you really put all your capabilities to the test and, and it helps you to generate the work, um, you know, with the right mix of of going at it with the right attitude, I guess. So did you have clients straight away or was there a period where you had nothing? Oh yeah. That was the hardest is having nothing because that seems to be pretty common in consulting. There's definitely times of the year that seem to be more work for sure. So I'm used to what those cycles are as far as when clients typically seem to engage. But yes, I had to get better at like having a pipeline and learning. So as a consultant, you really wear so many different hats. And I've mostly been somewhat of a solo entrepreneur. And then I would, I bring on consultants when I'm on large scale engagements. So I've had to learn a lot of different things. And yeah, that can get crazy at times, you know, and, and it definitely can, can invoke a lot of fear in you when you have the dry spells. For sure. So we scratched the surface. So now I actually want to dive in what you do for these business owners and really dive into some of the lessons that you teach these individuals and how you transform their mindsets and attitudes with regards to self-awareness in order to succeed. So with your clients themselves, what's your typical client and what do you look for in a client and know that you can help them? My typical client is a C-suite leader. So it's someone who is either running their own company or very high up and in charge of the strategic goals of the company. What I love about working with that leader is typically what you find at the top is they don't have a very strong internal network. And so it's really exciting to come on and be that partner for them. So whether it's in a coaching or consulting capacity, they start sharing some of their vulnerabilities with me that they've maybe not shared with anybody else. And that is what has has allowed me to get into the transformational process that I have today, which I call an inside out type of leadership in which that leader can really let down that guard a little bit. And come more into their true self and the true power that they have. So you say you do this on your website by peeling away the superficial external armor layer by layer to reveal their internal moral compass, which then frees them to lead from their highest source of wisdom. Mm -hmm. That sounds really interesting. 
But then you mentioned you do this through strategic planning and organizational development activity initiatives. What are these? Yes. Yeah, so typically I'll be brought in, whether it's a merger or acquisition or a large scale change initiative. And at that time, it's, there's, the stakes are high for a leader. The pressure is high for that leader. And so they have to be at their best. And what I have found is that just like you started, it's a great segue from my early school years, you know, of technically doing everything right to stepping into the presence of being a leader. And what does that mean to just be rather than do? And we live in a culture that's all about doing. And so I help these leaders to recognize that we're really not here to do it all ourselves. And we're here to co-create. And how do we work with teams and the people that are here to support you? And the best way that I know to do that is, is from everyone getting clear on their own internal why. And how do we bring our our own values that we have personally into the corporation or organization that we work for? And so it's, it's a lot of that digging work. So what's your why? My why is all around inclusion. I think it took me a long time to remember, I say, because it's always been within me that I was worthy. I was worthy of belonging. And I have found that everyone really longs for that. There is that personal desire to belong. And it's really walking back to the knowing that you belong to yourself, first of all, and that you have all the capabilities inside of you. And we have to peel away all of the masks we wear, the armor we wear, the fake personas we wear just to be safe or fit into this mold that society's given us. But let's face it, we can never break that glass ceiling until we pull away that armor. Do you think social media has played a big part in that sort of, re- that sort of image that people have put on society and what's perfect and what you need to do especially in business how you look like for example the fitness industries yes so you look on instagram and there's all of these top top instagram models and that's what everyone wants to look like do you think do you think that social media has been a massive factor in that massive factor you know and and i love social media i do but i mean even even the filters that we have available on social media i mean everybody's trying to perfect whether it's the image or what they post what they post is not typically their worst day it's their their best you know and i think we we live in a world where people um, aren't so real all the time. And, but if you do see in social media, when people do break down those barriers and get real, that's so rich. So I think, yes, there's a lot of stress and pressure from social media, but there's also so much untapped potential yeah. to start sharing your stories on social media. Can you see that shift happening? Because obviously, 
that's as you say you don't see the worst days instagram at the moment is just a highlight reel and especially in business when you follow all of these success success i'll put successful in quotation marks because if they could be they couldn't be we don't know because we're just seeing it on instagram right should they be actually be successful we haven't seen all the 15, 16 hour days they put in sleepless nights, the stress of running that business. So yeah, as you say, I think it's super interesting. But do you think there will be a shift? To where- I do. And I think this is the year you're going to start seeing it. Actually, the world is shifting. And I've done a lot of study of what is happening. I mean, you see it all around We're we're seeing things breaking down, we're seeing large institutions breaking down. For leaders today, they have to be agile. And what does that mean? They have to pivot very quickly when things get disruptive. And so, yes, I think we're in a time of change more than ever now. And it's those leaders who are willing to go against the current and do something different that are going to be the pioneers of that time. Super interesting. And it's something that I, I think about a lot as well, because I interview many entrepreneurs that obviously do tell me their full stories. Like I, so it may look on their Instagram that everything's brilliant, but that's sort of my mm-hmm. point behind this podcast that you try and, as you do with your clients, peel back those layers and find out where they actually came from, find mm-hmm. the struggles they went through and peel back what people don't actually see. Yes. So your, once your clients have completed the process, what are some of the greatest success stories you've seen your clients have after working with you? It's, it's really their presence. I mean, they just look so much lighter. Mm-hmm. And so while they're, the, number one, they, they don't have to work as hard. They are able to ignite their own inner confidence in themselves they're able to sit back a little and pause where they've never been able to do that it's almost like filling up your gas tank we don't do that as individuals typically we run until we're empty and we're serving others and doing all these things in life and it's almost against what we've been taught to i always say wear the oxygen mask and start taking care of yourself nurturing yourself and getting to know yourself, it's, it's truly eye-opening when you ask a person, what are their values, and they don't know. And that's the common response, because what happens is we're brought up on borrowed values. We adopt the values of our caretakers or what society tells us to value. And it's not until almost we have some sort of awakening experience that we actually start questioning that. So in the end, the leaders just have that presence. It's, it's that person you see and you just can tell they have it together. And I think that's the, the greatest gift that we can give ourselves is just to get curious with ourselves and do the inner work to know ourselves truly. Do you think your presence stemmed from your upbringing? So did you have, were your parents always supportive of what you did? Because you're extremely positive and I love it. You're always, you've, you they, the listeners won't be able to see it, but you've been smiling this whole call. You're extremely <laughs> Has that stemmed from your childhood, do you think? Or do you think this is something that's developed over time? 
It has like, as a child, I was always very positive. So that's always been there, but there's a different energy about it. I actually, as a very young child had OCD. And so fear was ruling my life. And it wasn't until I lost my mom and I was with her when she passed away and it was a beautiful passing and I saw her light up from the inside out that I was like, oh my gosh, we fear death and we fear and like, what was that that I just saw, you know? And when you don't fear the thing you might have feared most anymore, you find out there's nothing to fear. And so for me, I am so adventurous now. I embrace every day. I live with an expansive heart because I get to have these 24 hours. And I never saw it as that. Like we take it for granted. We wake up every day and just think another day, you know, but not me anymore because I went through this process. And so that's the difference for me. You've just answered one of my final three questions that I ask everyone already. I, do. <laughs> yeah. I normally ask people, are they afraid of dying? But you smashed it there. No, good. Well, yes, I'm not anymore. I think we all are at some point in our lives. But yes, I'm thankfully not at all. So now I've only got two questions at the end, but it's fine. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so your job must be extremely self-fulfilling always like you can see the process of taking someone from one point to another. So what's been your greatest highlight personally from what you do? I would say my greatest highlight is seeing people discover their joy again, seeing people discover that they control the joy. So the joy, the peace, whatever the top emotion you want to feel, you control it. And so, I mean, gosh, there's a lot on this topic alone, but we, for instance, pain, pain's inevitable, but suffering is optional. And I think that's such a gift that's ignited in every coaching situation I'm in where, um, or even consulting, it's like you right now can author the next chapter. What do you want that to be? And to be able to empower people with the knowing that they are always in control. And believe me, there are situations where you do not feel like you're in control, but it's giving them the perspective to shift. And so what is the best about my job is I see that light bulb going off a lot with people. I can see the connections being made. And for me, there's nothing better than people getting that vitality back in their bodies again. I love the little comparison you did between the of pain and suffering, that suffering is optional. Like you don't have to suffer. That is something you can change. You can feel mm-hmm. pain. It's every pain. And I like that you said that, but then it's then your option to decide whether you suffer or not. Yes. Super interesting. So you teach this do you ever find yourself in a situation but then you can switch your mindset and everything's okay absolutely i mean i'm human i am nowhere near perfect i mean there are days that i'm in that you know i'm in the the pain of it and you know that's the beauty of what i teach 
Whereas in the past, maybe I would have suffered to for up to two weeks about something that was very stressful to me. But now I'm in a place where I can pivot like that because it's the awareness. It's the ability to see myself from the casual observer now and say, oh, there you are going back to that pity party or whatever it is. And say, no, you know better, because we're going to slip back. These are conditioned things that, you know, for much of our lives, we're conditioned. And that's what this work does over time, is it rewires the brain to have new pathways. And so we never arrive. That's what I tell all my clients. We never master this. We're on the journey to mastering it. But we're never perfect. And, you know, I look back at perfectionism and just realizing we strive for something that we never reach. Like the imperfect us is perfect. And so it's these teachings that allow me to have compassion for myself. So now when I go through painful moments, I sit with the pain. And we're not taught that pain's okay. We're taught that discomfort and pain are a problem. And that's why we numb. That's why we stuff. That's why we do all of these things. We escape with social media and all of these things. But if we're taught to sit with it, then it can be gone in five minutes. And and I think that's what I like to teach my clients is don't judge it. Don't give it a label as being good or bad. Because you know what? It's moving through your body for a reason. And as we learn to honor it, then we honor ourselves. For sure. And so, yeah, it's, it's just a big shift. So I always look back at something as well. So I was probably about eight years old and I was with my granddad and there was something and I kept worrying about it, something that had already happened. And one thing my granddad said to me was, it's already happened. Stop worrying about it. You can't change it. I think, and ever since that day, that moment has always sprung back into my mind. I was only eight years old. Most people can't remember things from when they was eight years old. But that yeah. one day, when I said that to me, I was like, and whenever I'm worried about something in the past, I'm thinking, right, no, what are you doing? Stop. Yes. It's happened. Well, unless you, there is something you can do to change it, stop and move on because nothing is going to change. And I think that's one thing. I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons that I've that managed to hold on to and always been able to switch my mindset like that as you say stop saying tell yourself stop pitying yourself like you can even Mm -hmm. pick yourself up or stay like that and that's just one personal experience I've I love that I love that because you think of yourself Ethan it's like you could take that key and put yourself in that cage or you can let yourself be free and fly out of that cage. And like that, we can apply that analogy to almost anything. And it's like, fly, just be free. And so at any moment, we can think about, okay, what's going to lighten my heart a little more? I often say, what would love do in this moment? And when you think about that, how would love respond to this moment? You have a whole new way of looking at something. You can be much more compassionate. You can empathize. You can stop judging not only others, but yourself. And we're hardest on ourselves. And I think we have to recognize that we're not going to do that well. There's going to be a a learning curve there to let ourselves off the hook. And there's a great um, 
parable about the sting of two arrows or the second arrow. I don't know if you ever heard that, but we're all stung. It's again, like the pain thing. We're all stung. That first arrow is going to hit us in life, right? But the second arrow is the one we put in ourselves. And we often put a third one in and a fourth one in and a fifth one in as we replay through difficult emotions like shame and, and anger and frustration with ourselves. And we don't have to do that. We can only just have that first arrow and move on, you know, like you did when your grandfather said that. It gave you permission to choose differently. And that's life-changing right there. And that completely relates back full circle to suffering is an option that you put on yourself. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned at the beginning you've mainly been a solopreneur. Yes. Is this something that you've ever thought about scaling and building a permanent team around you so you can service more clients all at once? Or is this something you like to have yourself and always have that personal touch with the client? It's a great question. I do think about scaling often. And I think we have to get clear on what lights us up on a daily basis. For me, I want to spread this message to as many people as possible. So for for me thinking about next steps, it's looking at how can I do that, but also doing it in a way that if I put another coach in front of someone, I don't know how that's going to go. There's so much presence involved in, in that. So uh, there's, there's a balance, a definite balance. And I think my career is, is going more in the arena of speaking to larger audiences and maybe doing more group coaching. So the one-on-one is more of a premium for me today. And I have found many different ways to scale the business from same offering, but different type of, of um, group arrangement. So if you, I find that's really interesting, obviously trying to find that way of how you can scale. Cause that's obviously I'm trying to work out how I'm going to scale this podcast, completely yes. different industry and completely mm-hmm. different, but still same thing applies. So do you, you mentioned public speaking. Is that something you've been doing for a long period of time or is something recently that you've just I've been doing it um, as a just a leader and and going out to organizations and delivering talks and workshops but I really want to start traveling and doing it on a broad scale I really see myself and it got ignited in my own radio show that I hosted and when I realized boy I could really just talk for hours and and having this conversation with you today you're seeing me get lit up I just love it it's just and we know when we find that thing that just makes us feel like we're firing on all cylinders so I think that's what can help us is knowing and believing in the process because we're going to get thrown so many opportunities to market this way or that scale this way or that I mean let's face it social media and all of these opportunities are always in our inbox or you know but it's trusting that you will know the right decisions and you don't need to rush I think that's one of the things I'd like to share with your listeners is I invested a lot of money thinking I had to do all of these things and I wish I hadn't done that. I mean, while I learned a lot, I, I, looking back, would say to the younger self and me, just have more faith in yourself 
figuring this out over time. It doesn't have to be all together for you to go out there and contribute. You know, and I think a lot of younger entrepreneurs feel like they've got to dot their I's and cross their T's and everything be together before they're out there doing what they dream to do. And I say the opposite. I say, get out there doing it because it's going to change anyway. But expose yourself to it sooner rather than later and trust and, and don't get hung up on, are you being perfect at doing it? Like people appreciate the humble person that's just out there, you know, doing the best they can. Perfect doesn't exist. Right. If you aim, if you aim for perfection, what's the point? You never, it's no one's perfect. Yes. Just start and learn while you can. So that's what I did with my podcast. I thought I was listening to a podcast, thought, I want to do this. I like networking with people. I love speaking to people, love finding out what people do. I'm going to start one, bought a microphone three days later, did my first call. And I'm just learning as I go. My, I feel I love as it. my first one, I was very nervous. I did not know what to expect, but now I feel comfortable. I'm only, this will be my 10th or 11th episode. Can't remember, but I feel comfortable and I just enjoy yes. it. Yes, you seem it. And that's exactly it. By the end of 13 episodes, my first year, I was like, whoa, where did that come from? But I just, I, I, I created that for myself and you'll do the same. You'll just know and you'll know what's next for you after your first year doing this. And it's nice to know that. And I, I almost feel as if I need to perform as well, because it's not the a podcast is two ways, especially with a guest. Like if I'm yes. rap. The whole mm-hmm. podcast would be awful. So there is that pressure there for me to mm-hmm. be good and be comfortable and sound good when I'm speaking. But it's always been something I've enjoyed. So I was always quite comfortable coming into it. That's but so great. yeah, hopefully, hopefully this isn't crap. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> um, so that's incredible. And I can't thank you enough for speaking about what you do and learning a bit more sure. about your and that aspect of things. But as I said earlier, I've got three questions that I normally okay. round, off, round off the episode on three topics, which okay. are money, relationships, and death. You've already answered death, so I'm not going to do that one. Okay. So, kind of knew you knew you knew I was going to mention it, but okay. So the, for the <laughs> first one is money. Doesn't directly. Well, I personally don't think it directly directly relates to money. But the question is, what does the word success mean to you? Fantastic question. And I love that you ask because for so long, we think success is success, right? What's success? We all aim to be successful. And when we peel it apart, for me, it's a state of mind. So it's a state of mind of personal freedom. It's a state of mind of being full of vitality and joy and happiness and free to be me. So I know when I'm in that place, it's how I feel today with you, just having this conversation. This is success. This moment in time for me is success. And I can feel the richness of success so many times throughout my day because I've gotten so clear on what that means. So in your terms of success, would you consider yourself successful? I do. Yes. And it's not that I've arrived either. I'm always going to be growing and looking to evolve further. So recognizing that I think in the past, I've thought success is the top of the ladder. And what do you do when you get to the top? 
now I don't see it that way at all. I do see the continuation of it. When you put it that way, is there a top? No, I don't feel there is because when you get to the top, there's a whole new top. It's like the horizon. You can never get to the what you see. It's like when you think there's a top and you yes. set that goal and then you reach it and then it's like, okay, what next? What do I do now? And that is such a great point because when I coach these leaders who are at the top, I think the fear is high for them because they think, well, I've got it all and I've got to protect it all in one wrong decision and maybe I could like send this whole company down the wrong path. And it's recognizing, no, you're not at the top, right? And, And really showing the evolving nature so it all comes back into play to to free them up to be a little bit more of themselves. For sure. And when you, so you, if you were to look at someone and say they were at the top, monetary wise and on paper, Jeff Bezos is at the top. He is the richest man by far, mm-hmm. in, but he keeps doing stuff. He's not at the top for himself. Yes. He keeps doing something. He's honestly, he's an inspiration. I look at him and think, how do you do it? How he's just, his knowledge. Yeah. His ability to think of new ideas is incredible. But yeah, he's on paper at the top, but again, he doesn't think he is. No, he doesn't. And that's why he keeps having so much success. For sure. So next, second question Mm -hmm. with regards to relationships. So throughout your journey so far, have you found it difficult to maintain relationships, whether that's with friends, family, a significant other, or if you have managed to find ways that you can bring these people on your journey with you? Great question again. And, you know, relationships for me now start within. And I had to learn how to love myself first as an adult to recognize why relationships in the past didn't survive. And I also, through the awakening process, had to learn that there's going to be times where really good friends, partners, family members don't align with you anymore. And just because they're family doesn't mean you have to hold tight to that bond. It's okay to recognize that we all evolve and grow. So I do coach couples. And I encourage them every six months to talk about who they are today because we evolve and grow. And so you must keep having those transparent conversations. And sometimes, you know, I love the statement for a reason, a season or a lifetime for relationships, because sometimes you're brought together with someone for a very short moment and reason and then um, a moment in time. Sometimes, and then sometimes, you know, you have these lifetime relationships. And so they all have different values. And when we can just stop, I think the best lesson I can give your listeners is stop grasping for any outcome with any of your relationships. Because when you stop grasping, you can just be yourself. And you can stand in the knowing that whatever's meant to be between you and anyone else is going to happen. And so I've had people come into my life and come in so strong and leave just as fast. And you're almost like in a whirlwind, like, whoa, what just happened there? Right. And 
But now I can look at that with such gratitude because those are the people that taught me such a monumental lesson. There was something rich there. And so just recognizing that allows you to be more in the moment with all of your relationships. Incredible way to look at it. Thank you. So that wraps up all I've got to talk about, wraps up all my questions. Kristen, where can our listeners follow up with you if they've got any questions? Thank you for asking. You can find me. I am on LinkedIn, just under my name, Kristen Swarczak. You can find me there. I also have a website, which is www.liveleadthrive.com. So you can find my website. And um, yeah, mostly just by my name, do a search, and you'll, you'll find a lot of my publications and different things that I've done. Amazing. And they will be in the show notes underneath this episode. So the listeners can don't have to remember that. They can just click below. So once again, thank you for your time. This episode has been packed full of value. So I'm definitely going to listen to it again. And I'm sure our listeners have thoroughly enjoyed it. So thank you. Thank you, Ethan. I really value this time. So that's going to wrap up today's episode of the podcast and I can't thank you all enough for listening. I aim to interview some of the most incredible business owners and entrepreneurs every single week. So you can really help me out by smashing that subscribe button and by leaving me a five-star review over in the iTunes store. It literally takes two seconds and will help me secure some of the greatest names in business as guests on the show. Make sure you tune into the next episode where I'm going to be talking to another incredibly interesting guest. I'll be discussing their journey and providing tips to all your aspiring and current business owners. Have a lovely rest of your day. And once again, thank you for tuning in to CEO Journals.